Splinter Business Stories. Hi everyone, Splinter Business Stories is here and of course your fellow IT comrade is ready to drive our already post-corona conversation, I hope. It feels awesome to be back on track and wow, so many things happened. And I'm looking forward to sharing all the updates with you. But today I continue my epic guest adventure and we have quite an interesting person to interrogate today. I must say that I'm particularly excited. Why? This person is my fellow marketing colleague and currently diversity and strategic partnership lead at Snap. And uh uh-huh, that's the same Snap as has Snapchat. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, that is the same thing that has this face swapping, his hipster glasses wearing, and actually the same app that started all this ultimate selfie adventure for many, many people and have actually wasted hours and hours of our life choosing the best wrinkle filter (laughs) for our faces. (laughs) So dear IT community, today I have the great pleasure of having the conversation with Ishvar Dusko. And if you want to know how a successful headline on LinkedIn looks like, you should check out his LinkedIn. He's (laughs) nailing it. Hi, Thank you. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. And it is awesome to have a conversation with you in, in person, I guess, or, or virtual, but in person, <laughs> virtual. In person, well, you, you wouldn't be able to, you know, come in person anyway, because I cannot imagine talking on mask to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I feel I should try just to blend in into the general environment. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So how self-isolation have been on you? Are you familiar with work from home concept? Are you used to work at office only or that's like totally natural for you? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, in my previous job, I worked at LinkedIn and for the past, for the last like three or four months while I was working in that job, I was actually working remote. So I was living in Southern California and, and it was, it was actually really tough, a really tough transition. Um, so the fact that like now I'm working at Snap and we're working, everybody's working remote. Um, it still is tough. It's tough. Like you get into the routine of being able to like get in your car or get into like public transportation and go to work and get, and get home every day. Um, so the fact that you're in the same space and there's no barrier between work and like life and gym and everything else, it's all in one like blurred. <laughs> that was really difficult for me. Um, but I got used to it. I mean, and now, now I actually prefer it. It's it's nice to be able to like jump online very quickly whenever needed to. Um, what about yourself? Well, pretty much I'm the biggest work from home advocate. <laughs> I, I'm used to work from home because awesome. for a couple of years I was the work from home and it was the happiest time, <laughs> I That's assume. Awesome. But even right now, I feel that, you know, even I want to go back to office. Yeah, you need some <laughs> because, interaction. Yeah, that is, that is not really about working from home. This is seriously about interaction probably like the possibility of going wherever and whenever you want you know yep. this is some just this concept of the freedom it gives you some some positive feeling so even yep. like if you work from home it's not necessarily home you can go somewhere else i don't know in the park right now you cannot you can't you <laughs> can't really here, do much yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah though here we started the third phase reopening so everything seems to be back on normal but i feel like you know a little bit far away from this total yeah. comfort <laughs> So how is in LA? What, what, what's going on there? A lot of things are still closed. Uh, some stuff is starting to open up, but for the most part, I mean, 
the interesting part is like the, the fact that some parks and hikes have been open and the weather has been beautiful. So a lot of people have gone out and it's been a little bit crazy. So I've, I've been trying to personally just stay um, like in my own home as much as possible and only go out if I'm going to get groceries or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been working on my books. So it's, I've, ha- I've, had a t- I've had a ton of to do, you know, I, I've oh, yeah. been extremely busy. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So how did this pandemic change you? Like, is there anything particular you will consider for the future that you would never consider before it? Uh, This pandemic taught me that I really need my habits and routines. You know, like (laughs) I I need to ensure that my habits are good and my routines are very strict because for that first couple of weeks, it, it uh, it was really grueling for me. Like, I felt like really lazy for the first time in a really long time i felt like i was kind of just like working all the time and not taking breaks um and obviously now we're, we're all more cautious of like germs which i think that's going to be like a residual effect for for a while um, yeah i definitely feel so like everybody is, is gonna like stand in the line you know, to yep. wash their hands which exactly. basically never happens well what this pandemic taught me personally is that i need to have a good wine delivery subscription service <laughs> consistent so, too every week see we're on the same page i love that i already like it yeah <laughs> this is also you know you're my type of person exactly <laughs> Yeah, because good glass of wine is, I always say, good glass of wine is good for your heart, good for your blood, good for your mood, good for your health. <laughs> exactly. It's good for, your, good for your mental health as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the most important. <laughs> well, that is, um, you know, was it is so great having you. And uh, I already feel this positive energy. And I, I love this, you know, this situation and where it's going. And uh, I particularly like that uh, you came to my podcast because... Uh, I do tech marketing and you mm-hmm. have been doing tech marketing for quite a long time as well. So for yeah. me, it's wonderful that I have a fellow colleague here because normally I talk to people from different corners of IT, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily marketers. For me, that is, you know, I, this fear I'm crazy about. I'm in love with what I'm doing. And I'm sure that if you come to marketing and especially in tech marketing, you have to have like a very specific set of qualities and features because you have to love tech and you have to understand it pretty thoroughly but you also need to understand how to communicate from you know for for the audience of of the product exactly yeah and looking through your profile and through your background how first of all how did you start djing and how this djing (laughs) led to the marketing that's so that's my biggest question (laughs) yeah that's a great question so i started djing in high school uh one of my one of my best friends was actually a dj through like all the high school parties so i basically asked him like hey can you like teach (laughs) teach me like teach me the ropes and little by little i started picking it up then i went to college and i kind of just saved up my money bought some equipment started djing parties and started djing clubs and bars and then concerts and festivals and then going on tour um but the funny thing is like i've learned so much about marketing from djing because when you're a dj you're you're your own agent you're your own promoter you're your own head of brand head of comms head of marketing so i had to like constantly be building out my my brand online you know and whether it was on social or email or website or reaching out to agents and reaching out to club owners and and people to to have me spin a, a set um like you're, you're always branding, you're always promoting, you're always marketing. So I, I took a lot of what I've learned in, in my DJ world and then applied it in my jobs at LinkedIn. Um, my last job at LinkedIn was doing social media marketing mm. for, for LinkedIn. 
So it's like very applicable <laughs> to things that you learn in, in both categories. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I can't help, of course, like in Los Angeles, DJing must must be pretty a pretty nice uh, career and occupation to have. But you know, DC is damn boring. I can't yeah. even, I can't even imagine that here is like you know any clubs. I I yeah, of course there are some, but you know, thinking that there are some wild parties in DC or something like that. Yeah. To me, that's like a totally different world. It's like, you know, I feel the people here are boring. So yeah. boring <laughs> in this term. So any funny story happened to you while you were DJing? I'm sure you have a bunch. <laughs> any funny stories happen while yeah, DJing? Yeah, because, because, you know, we're here all about the fails, you know. It's like, you know, it's it's like whenever you had something failing, my audience will definitely like it. <laughs> because yeah, we there, all did. <laughs> there's, there's been multiple times, like... I can count multiple times where I've had tech issues and any DJ, if there's any DJs listening to this, I'm, I'm not sure I doubt it. Maybe <laughs> I'm, I don't know, but it, any, every DJ has gone through like at least one tech failure and tech failure, meaning imagine you're in a room with 500 people and, and, and they're all eyes on you. Like you have all of the pressure that these people paid for overpriced drinks. They paid to get in there. It's their night off. They got a babysitter or they, cleared their plans just to come have a great time. And you're sitting up there on stage with all eyes on you. And then you connect your laptop or you, you have your needles and your turntable, everything, and something's not working. And you have 500 people in the room, like all the pressure on you. This happened to me multiple times. So it's like, then, then you just play the IT person. You're like, what the hell is going on? What's wrong? You go through all the, literally every single option that could be wrong. And it's happened to me to, to the point where like, one time I even just plugged in my phone for like 10 minutes while I was trying to figure out the problem and played music off of my, off of Spotify, literally. <laughs> so you could imagine like a DJ up in front of 500 people playing Spotify and like sweating, drenching from sweat from all the pressure and how like nervous I was. Um, was there then, any ads on the Spotify? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. <sorry>. Luckily, <laughs> luckily I had, I had Spotify premium, so I just oh. like switched songs. Um, <laughs> And then I figured out the problem, but like there's been multiple times and any DJ can relate to it. It's, it's extremely stressful. Um, but I guess I, more of a funny story is like there's this, there's this uh, thing in the DJ community or in like nightlife at night mm -hmm. clubs where there's like there's always a drunk girl or a drunk guy that, that comes up to the DJ booth wanting to play your song. And I kid you <laughs> not, it happens at least like one time every time I DJ. There always is at least one person that comes up and and either bribes me tries to give me money or like will ask 15 times hey my friend wants to play this song they really want to dance can you pay and i'm like really because it doesn't look like your friends are dancing and they haven't been dancing the entire night so no i'm not going to play your song or <laughs> or sometimes once in a while if they, if they say it nicely i'll play it and if it's aligned to the music you know um but for the most part it's just like somebody wants to hear their favorite song and it's very difficult when you're trying to like cater to a room full of 500 people and one person wants to hear a song that's not really the vibe you know <laughs> well depending if it's a private party <laughs> you know, then you then you gotta do whatever they say special friend <laughs> yeah oh uh, well yeah i i i'm like so not familiar with all these like djs as sets and all this but i'm sure that it, it requires a lot of like technical stuff and a lot of like you know first of all how to plug everything in and secondly how to you know you have laptops there as well you know yeah. see how far i am from the topic like yeah. <laughs> talking in such a very odd details <laughs> well i i actually can't can't remember like probably the wildest thing you know that happened um when i like couple 
couple times ago, couple couple months ago, not months, you know, probably years. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. I'm honest with my audience. Years. <laughs> so a couple years ago, I went to the party, and when something like that, something technical happened, some technical issue, <laughs> that was the Game of Thrones, super popular. And you remember this episode with shame, shame, shame? No, <laughs> but I think I've seen. The, I think I've seen the meme. The memes from it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the entire like the entire club started saying like shame, shame, because it was oh, literally the episode my. which which went the night before <laughs> the DJ said, I, I, I can't imagine like I can't, like imagine myself at his place it was it was very very crazy but yeah but we had to, real fun you know because it's that's, always fun that's to hilarious say. shame to shame, shame shame yeah <laughs> I'm oh telling you you know that's you know that's always the case well I had you know interesting stories but i had i had one very pretty interesting story related to the club but not related to the club uh because when i was in europe i went to a lot of turkish resorts because that's that's what people in europe do Mm. (laughs) so turkey is like such a destination so um the peculiarity of people in turkey that uh for example when you order a taxi you you pay the driver but uh according to the you know some customs they would not take the money from the first try they you you will have to proceed to take the money which i of course had no clue about so yeah so when we were friends sat in the car um kurush means money in turkish so we sat in the car and we are like okay kurush like you know let's 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 do it and the driver says no and we're like interesting okay and he looked so offended you can't do that so that was the the epic story but then like of course we figured it out but you know it's always like a lot of a lot of details in all this diversity because i know you you deal with diversity management in uh, snap right so yeah exactly you know yeah so it's it's like always different cultures different approaches to work different mm-hmm. approaches even different work pace and you have to consider it all and you have to make sure people are on the same page even if they are different in terms of their backgrounds but very yep. same in terms of their aims and goals so exactly yeah that's <laughs> that's always the case so is it like a, do you have like a specific agenda for the diversity management uh, do you do consider this cultural differences at snap how how does it work yeah, so there's a there's a lot of different pieces to diversity and, and different people who work on diversity issues. Um, you, you can work on diversity, like the product, you can work mm-hmm. on the co- the content diversity, you can work on diversity in terms of recruitment and the people that are that are like, hired in the company. You can work on culture, which is like, how do you develop a more inclusive culture? Um, so my team, we kind of work on a little bit of everything. So there's not like one mm-hmm. specific field. Um, but but I think like now more than ever, given all the recent events that have been happening in, in the United States, diversity and inclusion is a topic that a lot of companies should be like focusing even more on, um, especially if their company isn't like super diverse, because there could be people at other company who might not feel um, 100% included or like they can be themselves or might be under a lot of pressure. So I think it's something that, that companies should definitely focus on. And if they aren't doing it, they should appoint somebody to, to work on it full time or at least part of their part of their time. That is for sure. Yeah. I mean, currently I'm very happy that, you know, this diversity situation has finally been brought to the spotlight, honestly, because yeah. every single person, like whether it's a child growing up or a teenager looking for, you know, some, some, I don't know, destiny, you know, in terms of college or something like that, or like a graduate from the university 
all these people they need to see the examples they need yeah. to like look at their workforce and see different races different genders you know yeah. different representatives from all the corners of the world because that's where we belong and especially yeah. here in the u.s you know it's very hard to say what is the you know uh, so-called like national peculiarity because there is no national peculiarity yeah. whoever is here you know is already the part of the u.s and that's that's why this i feel that this country has been embracing this uh you know kind of like melting pot culture because that's you know that's that's what makes everybody you know so um welcome here so i yeah. feel i feel that you know for for us uh, you know for, for me i'm i'm pretty much like a recent so, like pretty much recent immigrant so i i always knew that this country will will welcome me because it generally has such a welcoming culture yeah. so i feel that you know the the general like values of the us should be somehow implemented into the, the businesses as well because you know sometimes there is an issue that's true it's either gender or race but there is always something to that needs to be approved yeah that's, i agree that's for sure so like for, for your diversity you know diversity management i would say diversity um you know the diversity spotlight was there something in particular that um, you you always wanted to change or you always wanted to bring to the spotlight in terms of the businesses? What is what is the general advice here? How can the company start to be more inclusive? Yeah, um, d diversity is, is something that I've always been really passionate about. And even while I was working at LinkedIn for a while, I did recruiting events. So mm -hmm. diversity recruiting events fell into that bucket. Um, but I, th I think one thing that companies can do is figure out how to reach their audience and diverse audiences where those people feel most comfortable. So one of the partnerships that, that we've, uh, we've organized with Snap is called Next Play. It's, a, it's basically a community for black and brown, um, black and Latinos in tech. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, that the representation for that for those two demographics is extremely low. Like, yeah, if, if to be to be fully transparent and honest, yes, it is. <laughs> it's like under ten percent, under seven percent, maybe even under six percent in certain companies um, of the workforce. So then, so then, when you think about the people that that fit that description or, or are part of those communities, if you host a regular event and ninety six percent of the people that show up are not from that community and then you're expecting me to be to show up and be myself that it's extremely difficult you know so this partnership that with next play that we that we've organized they host events specifically for that community mm -hmm. with 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 whatever cultural music or performances or speakers that are going to most intrigue that audience and then companies like snap and other sponsors that work with these with this organization step into the arena as sponsors not the other way around so it's like a lot more of an authentic way to engage with people who are interested in working at your company, but also want to feel like they can be themselves and they're not on the spotlight and high pressure situation. Right. Just like in marketing, you have to address to your audience, right? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, the same thing. thing. So we always come to marketing, you know, I feel yep. for us, that's, that's always important to put it to the spotlight. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's always, um, you know, the, the great, you know, it's a great thing to talk to a fellow marketer, but also mm -hmm. it's great that uh, you work as a product company, you know, yeah. which to me, I'm also work like, I would say 50-50, 50 consulting, 50 product. But to me, I'm going to ask you a very interesting question right now, almost like chicken egg question in terms of like philosophy. What is more important, product or marketing of this product? <laughs> oh my God, that's a good question. Um... I guess it depends where you're coming from. 
for me, it's more important to have a good product and then you can go as hard as you want with the marketing because <laughs> then, then your, then your brand reputation is on the line. Like I consider myself to be a pretty decent marketer and I think I can market anything, whether it's a product or service. But if I promote a, a really shitty service or a really shitty product and, and people that respect my opinion, go ahead and take that, that suggestion and use the product or service and it's crappy then they're no longer going to, they're going to, they're going to trust my, my opinions a lot less moving forward, you know? <laughs> so I think it starts with having a really solid product or service and then backing it up with really solid marketing as well. Well, that is, I mean, that is such a true answer to this question. Oh my God, you're <laughs> almost like, you know, it's like academic answer. <laughs> honestly. But in real life, how many situations there are when, you know, you, you see the marketing of the company, okay? You yep. see all the efforts because we, we are in the industry. You know how much effort they put into the video marketing. or in the yep. collateral yep. or into the, like such genuine I don't know, like something, basically, you love the messaging. You absolutely, like, the website is super intuitive. Then you try the product and it's like some 90s, you know, 90s yeah. legacy system of some kind. And you understand that, okay, well, it still does the job, but it does not even look as pleasant as, you know, you would exactly. expect, right? But still people use it because they, you know, kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to me, that's, I, I've, I've been experiencing having a lot of really brilliant marketing teams yeah. working for the products that would not even be allowed to cross the line yeah. and vice versa. I've seen so many very interesting, very cool products and useful products that never get on the spotlight because firstly, they either think it's not worth promoting because they feel that their product is so cool that mm -hmm. people will come themselves, <laughs> which yeah. is always like, I also work with the startups. So this is basically the first thing they say. We have such a like industry changing or industry disrupting. And like when I hear this word, I'm like, <laughs> that's like you are you are gonna disrupt the industry yeah are you next to uber yes you yep. are okay <laughs> so that's like and they feel this is like so awesome that people will come themselves and i'm like how no, will people we? need to know you have to tell them <laughs> yeah. you have to show them the story yeah, how like, will they yeah. even know yeah <clears throat> but yeah. i feel right now even the users um potential customers they're pretty picky you know they want everything they want you know, nice visuals, they want nice, you know, back end as well. And they want to understand the processes and they want to have a great customer service. And as long as you provide it, you know, that's, that's always, you know, the situation, but yeah, it's in ideal world, you would have a very cool product and work yep. with this product. <laughs> exactly. I agree a hundred percent. Although it, it never happens in real life. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, at Snap, I'm sure it does happen. <laughs> but yeah. in, in more like, you know, more average companies, it's, it's like always, you know, <laughs> the situation that comes to, you know, to, to the point where you have to decide. Um, yep. Yeah. And I've always had this battle, like this is my personal battle. Um, the blanket fight between marketing and sales departments when yep. it comes to the product. <laughs> so basically, in your in your like career, in your experience, are they totally separated or they still have to work together? They still have to work together because sales is really dependent on the marketing as well. Like if you if you have really solid marketing, the sales team is able to use all that collateral to help 
like sell the product to help convince the people that they're trying to reach, you know, like it's much, it's a much different conversation when you're speaking to a prospect as a salesperson and you can follow up with like really, really awesome content that just seals the deal, you know, so they have to work together and they have to share the budget or I don't know <laughs> if it should be split 50, 50, but I know that marketing does need a fair share. And then there's also like the inbound, like there's social media marketing where you can reach people and, get inbound prospects for then the sales team to then take those leads and close them. So that's like leads that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah, you need to be marketing probate, you know, you need to talk, <laughs> you need to talk about it. You know, yeah. because actually since since I'm in IT and in, in mostly like uh, currently in consulting and B2B products. So it's like very corporate, very like kind of aligned. Um, they're always talkers you know there are mm -hmm. always people who talk and normally these people ceo ctos operations sales etc and they're always i call them busy bees that's like this marketing department that constantly preparing the materials and uh, they receive these materials like you know somebody is sending the request okay prepare this to me and prepare this to me and yep. let's do this and this the whole department is like literally working like on demand <laughs> so at some point it's it, like you know it already starts looking like you know cafe or something like you know yeah. take out you know because getting order you know delivering this order so that's always like you know the situation when i feel that um in many cases, marketing can be underestimated, you know, yeah. in, in this term, because, you know, many companies consider this department as like either non-existent or like yeah. personal assisting everybody else except for marketing themselves. Or they so, consider it as like icing on the cake. Like it's not a necessity. It's like a nice to have, which yeah, I think something that's, like that's... That. Some, something fancy, but like, you know, I, I personally experienced it so many times and the, the process of educating that actually sales and marketing and marketing is not personal assistant of sales let's mm -hmm. come to this and actually uh, like when i started career i i thought like i honestly thought that okay marketing is marketing sales is sales like we are mm -hmm. not connected i'm doing yeah. marketing i never do sales so this was my particular thought and then like when i already like worked a year worked second year like even maybe at the beginning of the third i started understanding that there is something wrong this disconnection never helps because at some point people come to the you know to, to such situation where sales department does their own thing you know in terms of they have their scripts and all this stuff and marketing does like social media which is yeah. always not the case but it's it's like it's normally what happens for, for it companies so you know to me this is like such a huge problem oh my gosh i'm always trying to just bring people together and explain okay sales marketing nice mm -hmm. to meet you you know let's work together this yeah. is how it goes <laughs> So for sure, and uh, LinkedIn, uh, you were uh, responsible social. for social media. Social, yeah. So I sat within a brand marketing team, but I work with product marketers. I work with the sales team. Um, I work with my team also did the blog. We did in-person events with the goal essentially for a lot of the, most of the marketing material that we did was like to generate revenue. So how do we, how can we increase like leads? How can we increase awareness of the product in a way that it's not salesy? It's like more adding value and thought leadership and giving that soft sell, like if I can give, if I can give you insight and give you information that you didn't know and adds value to your life, the studies show that you're going to be more willing to invest back, you know? Well, of course, give something <laughs> to get something. That's yep. always the case. But then you kind of like focused on more on, on your book, I know, and that you've been writing it for some time. And I know mm -hmm. the messaging behind this book, which is super, super powerful. So why don't you speak a little bit more about it? Sure. 
so the book is called How Successful People Get Ish Done. Um, it's a <laughs> very it's modest. Get very ish modest. Done. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a pretty concise book, 236 pages. You should be able to read it in like a Sunday afternoon. Um, it's essentially a seven step framework that anybody can use to achieve any goal. Um, and a lot a lot of people have been asking me like, well, what makes your book different from the thousands of other books that are around the goal achievement and, and self-development. Um, and my response is I wrote it with a diverse audience in mind. I wrote it for people who come from underrepresented backgrounds or maybe are the minority in whatever field that they're in. Um, and being a, being a person of color in tech and coming from like a Latino family, uh, I would read and listen to all these like learnings and books and self-development, but I always felt like there was something missing. Like the, the phrases that they would use or the examples that they would give, they weren't fully relatable to me in my experience as a person of color in the United States or or some of the, the the examples that they would give wouldn't be things that I that I would normally like be attracted to or listen to but the the knowledge was there you know so in terms of the book I throughout the book I sprinkled my personal story and how I use each step um, I give ex- like actionable examples that if, if your if your goal is to get a better job you can use a framework to get a better job if your goal is to start a company you can use a framework if your goal is to lose weight you can use a framework. It's like applicable to any area of life. Um, and it, w- the way that I, the way that I explain it to people as well is like, if I went to go speak in front of a, a room with 200 students from of color in like high school or middle school. And one of and if one of them asked me like, Hey, uh, you read 45 books in 2019, which book would you recommend to me? I wouldn't be able to recommend one because I would want to give them like 10 of them. And so, so I found this to be an issue. Like when you're a person of color and, you're, and you don't come from like a background that like reading is very prominent in your life, 10 books is overwhelming. But if I can say, here's one book and it's going to teach you everything that you need to know in terms of mentorship, goal achievement, habits, rituals, routines, how to constantly learn and develop yourself into like a better person, that is powerful. You know, it's less overwhelming and it comes from somebody who you can relate to because they either have a similar background or interests or language or int- whatever it be, you know? Just just for you all know, while he's saying it, he's actually pointing to me at the book. So he's serious <laughs> about <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I'm very serious. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, that is so great. I'm, you know, I'm happy that such books are still going on because they are really helpful. Even though, you know, some people say, nah, this is like, another motivational something you know no, i i understand it's, it's totally not a motivational book at all because yeah because sometimes like once you read like you read the first like two pages and you try to find the information that you actually wanted to find initially in this book and it's like literally in two pages in the middle and then the girl's like motivation get yeah. it done you know you got it i'm like always like you know seriously yeah, I hate that. you know if i want to lay down you know on my sofa i really think <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you know make me stand up no way so yeah, that's, um, that's one point that i made in the book too is like I, th- I even say it in one of the first pages, this is not a motivational self-development, you can yeah. do this type of book. It's not, it's, and I say that in the book, I say, this is not a, you can do it, you're a butterfly, you're awesome, you're amazing type of book. This is a workbook. You're going to learn as much as you can, and you're going to implement this. If you don't implement it, then you're not going to achieve as oh, much success awesome. as you can. You know? This is so awesome. You know, just, I'm, I'm honestly... Um, I had a couple people in my life and uh, who happened to be great mentors for me, who happened to be my great bosses. But there is always some some feature. They read a lot and a lot of different books. And sometimes they're good ones. Sometimes they're not good ones. But yeah. that's, that's very hard to find a like, sense of 
what you're actually looking for when you have a library of, I don't know, a hundred plus books, which actually are the same in, in the yeah. general term. You know, they, they all just say, you can do it. You know, just like, you know, Tony Robbins, this type of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motivational. <laughs> uh, motivational, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I totally adore him as a speaker because I feel that you gotta have something to hold the audience. Yeah. But I definitely not not approve like the message because like when you jump or when you clap your hands, nothing will happen in your life. Yeah, you you exactly. like you know it's 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 all like in mentality. You, yeah, you will not change anything. So you know to me to me that's like uh, you know people who teach others how to get, be a millionaire you know by getting a million from people who they're gonna teach you know. Yeah. So exactly. that's <laughs> that's this this kind of thing. But what about like professional books? What like marketing book uh, have you read? Or maybe like not a book, maybe like a person who you follow on social um, media, who changed something in you or who made you like think differently? Some, some people that I consider to be like fantastic marketers are really non-traditional. So if you know who Scooter Braun is, Scooter Braun is um, Justin Bieber's agent. He's the person mm, who brought, yeah, who yeah, brought yeah. Justin Bieber up and found him on YouTube and pretty much helped him become a star. Um, he is like an OG marketer. Like he's, <laughs> he, he started marketing, like his marketing journey when he was like 20. And I've, I've watched a couple of documentaries and uh, talks from him and just extremely clever. Like uh, another person that I consider like a really great marketer, which is non-traditional as well as, uh, Rob Deerdeck. So if you know who Rob Deerdeck is, he's like the host of fantasy factories, Robin big, all these TV shows on MTV. Um, and he's just a phenomenal marketer. Like talk about owning your brand. He literally owns his brand wherever he goes. He's like, he owns a stake in DC. So he always wears a DC hat. Um, <laughs> he, he's extremely like, he's a mastermind when it comes to like connecting one business that he has to another business, knowing that the audiences are going to be alike or that one audience is going to like something from this other side hustle that he's doing. Um, but very tactically, uh, like I think social media marketing world has a good podcast. Um, and aside from that, I, I like to learn from people who do great marketing, not people who teach great marketing, if that makes it's sense. It's impossible to teach it because yeah. it's always, uh, I feel that marketing nowadays, especially tech marketing is so situational because mm -hmm. sometimes again, the company, uh, just like recent events, the company might write about the diversity and about their, you know, their, you know, support for everything that's going on. But actually, when you like dig a little bit and look at the management of this company, you understand what this company is about. Or like yeah. you, you just you just know that it's it's not like it's not sincere. So I feel that currently, like sincerity is like more important than anything. And in marketing, that's like new trend. Like be sincere or true by yourself. Like you know, accept if you have some you know if you have some mistakes in the past, just accept it. Just say yep. you know we've realized you know it's great we're developing, or you know be and be totally open. Or like be so simple that everybody would understand you. So I'm I'm like against all these like overcomplicated concepts when somebody's trying to, you know, somebody's giving me a pitch. And I feel that if you because I support I support startups in terms of uh like I send them to you know all these investment rounds and so I prepare I have to uh, I help them to prepare the pitches. Yeah. And when they cannot explain to me what their company does, you know, in like two sentences or better in one sentence yeah, imagine i'm a five-year-old how can i understand what is like your like final mile delivery or something like that? i don't understand i don't get it you know explain to me normally yeah. and when and that's that's exactly when when it all starts we're uber of something we're airbnb of something i'm like 
Does that oh, even mean? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what does it even mean? And look, we disrupt the industry. The industry does not need to be disrupted. The industry exactly. needs to be supported. <laughs> you know, you yep. need to give a new solution. You don't need to destroy everything. We're, we're too tired of destroys. <laughs> but so I'm, I 100% agree with your like, simple is better. How can you simplify it and provide, explain the value in one line? What the heck does your product or, or company yeah. or service do? And I, I feel recently the situation is much better because I feel many websites from like two thousands, they started to be redeveloped already. They hired some good like people who, who know how, to, how it is done. But when you look at the more old school websites, unless you read like, you know, till, till you scroll five times, you wouldn't even understand what the company does. You know, all this messaging, if you cannot see in the first paragraph, what is it about? Like, what's, what's the point of the website? Complex, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but this is my personal pain, like, you know, the companies and websites of like 90s or 2000s that are trying yeah. to, this is like, you know, just in DC area, in Northern Virginia, this is like, this is super popular, you know, this is like the, the, the pain which, which has been going on for years already, it's like, yeah. you know, same logos by the same company with the same colors, you know, it's, it's always like my, my like personal, you know, like epiphany when I see it and I'm like, oh yes, yeah, I yep. finally found this company. <laughs> <laughs> but also it can be seen that you're from LA because yep. you're, you know, you're, um, kind of examples are related more to you know LA vibe you know yeah. it's not it's not very conservative it's definitely something out of the box and yeah. it's definitely something more related to you know marketing in a more traditional sense rather than yeah. like tech marketing because yeah. you know to to find people and to to build a company to build your business that's you know that's always the case mm -hmm. uh, to me personally the book which probably changed my view of things was uh, story branding by Donald Miller Oh, it's nice. a simply, yeah, it's simply like a concept how to tell a story while you're creating any content. Mm. So it helped me a lot with like establishing my, like how I see the websites and how I just genuinely like put the customer to the first place and try to describe everything for the customer, not about your cost, uh, yep. not about your company, but about the people you're making the product for. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you, gotta, you know, you've that's always got to keep your customer in mind because if you overcomplicate something or the messaging is is what you think is good, but they're not gonna like it, then they you wasted your time. Absolutely, you know that's that's always what happens. Well, at the end of the podcast, I always ask you know for some epic story, so you will not be able to avoid it. <laughs> so epic what stories. what 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 happened you know throughout your career? Was it an event or was it some crazy email that was supposed to be a test email, but it was sent by chance. <laughs> so, I'll give you guys a story that your audience might like. Um, uh -huh. So when I, was, when I was 19, I was studying abroad in Argentina. Um, and this was years ago. Uh, and, and my friends and I that were there like studying abroad, we, we were having like a pregame. So we, uh, we were playing music off of a laptop. And we were trying to figure out how do we pregame, basically like the pre-party before we go out to the nightclub or whatever. And we were trying to figure out how can we make the music louder because it wasn't loud enough. And we were drinking and having fun and whatever. And then so I had an idea. What if I put a bunch of laptops lined up and press play on all of them at the same time? And like then you have surround sound, you know, you have you have music, you have a party. And then as soon as I, I, I finished uh, going abroad and came back to school, I thought like, what if I made an app out of this? Like, wouldn't it be so cool to make an app out of this, right? Like, 
I hired a software engineer, I hired a project manager, and we worked for months and months and months on this product. And eventually we couldn't, we couldn't launch the product because the seconds were off. So if you and I were, were playing music on the same app, mm-hmm. yours was like ahead by a second, mine was like off by a second. So it was like an echo effect, it was really annoying. And so we, we killed the project, I was really devastated, I was extremely sad. And I kid you not, like months later, Samsung comes out with a product on all of their Galaxy devices that was this exact product. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like I could have been the next Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or something if I just like figured out this problem. And to this day, I still think about that. Like, wow, like that one little product or service, we could have bought, could have got bought out by Samsung. Um, and I don't know what it's called now, but it, I'm sure if you have a Samsung, if you know somebody that has one, it's on the phone. And it, it's, it's like a more of a devastating uh, uh, story, but still you learn from it and it was oh, fun. We hear a lot of devastating stories. That's what we're living by. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, no, this is awesome. I mean, it's awesome in terms of that, first of all, you tried and this counts. And secondly, yeah. you, you know what you did wrong. You know, you, you simply didn't like, you gave up you know, probably when you needed to push a little bit harder. But at the same time, you know, probably it would be more devastating if your products were competitors and you, you yeah. clearly understand that you would not be able to compete Samsung. Oh yeah, 100%, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> A lot more money and resources. That's, that is for sure. Oh, wow. Well, my devastating story uh, is more related to the... Um, couple unlucky releases of the startup product which I worked on because you know when you are trying to build a Ferrari out of you know child's bicycle details (laughs) you fail a lot (laughs) so yeah my my company had a product which was browser extension and when we started we were so super ambitious about this product so we wanted to include every single functionality we could think of just to make sure it works and we were we were done we were you know all set and we pushed it to google chrome store and during like the first probably week we were expecting for this like feedback yeah we we started having we had pretty aggressive marketing so we were marketing this product like crazy and uh we got so many people downloading it and like you know we were super happy and during the first week we received so many awful comments about oh the product and feedback God. because literally we included all the functionality but the crucial testing was not done so basically nothing worked and broken. people had to yeah everything was broken but people realized it only after they already like committed with the product they already downloaded it they already started like putting some they, articles they in there yeah. yeah and oh my goodness that was probably like i was i was super red you know writing all these like apology Nervous, emails you know off. i was i was like yeah it's like it's probably the most awful feeling when you understand that it's like it's your fault like you could have thought about it you shouldn't have like just pushed it without the proper testing and mm-hmm. this is um you know but this is like also it, it taught me first of all it taught me to put better <laughs> you know to the product before pushing it so that people know that it's like uh, it's, so, it might be so so fixes are coming yeah yeah still being improved yeah so whenever whenever you improve like improvement is important and uh, i love fails and that's why i made this podcast you know i always ask people about their fails because that's yeah. what the, like that's what makes us first of all people and that's what helps us grow, you know, literally, because in life we will probably not give up on the next amazing idea or not put like, you know, the unfinished product, you know, to the public audience. So, yeah. you know, this is 
still efforts and uh, I feel that mm, we should embrace our failures as much as we embrace our successes for sure. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was such a lovely conversation. I know that I, I honestly could talk to you for hours, but I know that <laughs> probably my audience wouldn't listen to us <laughs> that much. <laughs> So I just know my people <laughs> too well. They they like they're cooking pasta right now, or they're like commuting to work if their states are reopened. And yep. you know they're they're not into like you know couple Super couple hours conversations. conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate our conversation, and I feel you know there is a super positive energy. Definitely check out you know his LinkedIn. It's it's awesome i will leave thank all you. the description and check out his book because it must be something special thank, thank you so, you much, so for much for me. coming it's, it's been really awesome and i appreciate the conversation as well a small piece of ads here if you still think your startup idea worth seeing this world contact cadaret my agency helps startuppers in building general business and marketing plans and even pitch decks if you can't do public speaking yourself, well, I'll either make you next Tony Robbins or I'll go on that stage myself and rock that investors for you. Just for your knowledge. <laughs> it was Anita and her splinter business stories. Stay tuned for next episodes and have a beautiful, wonderful time living your life. Bizu bizu! <laughs>